Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the CGI First Quarter Fiscal 2021 Conference Call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Mayor Yagi, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. Yagi. Thank you, Sharon, and good morning. With me to discuss CGI's First Quarter Fiscal 2021 results are George Schindler, our President and CEO, and Francois Boulanger, Executive Vice President and CFO. This call is being broadcast on CGI.com and recorded live at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, January 27, 2021. Supplemental slides as well as the press release we issued earlier this morning are available for download along with our Q1 MDNA financial statements and accompanying notes, all of which have been filed with both CDAR and EDGAR. Please note that some statements made on the call may be forward-looking. Actual events or results may differ materially from those expressed or implied, and CGI disclaims any intent or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. The complete safe harbor statement is available in both our MDNA and press release, as well as on CGI.com. We encourage our investors to read it in its entirety. We are reporting our financial results in accordance with International Financial Reporting Standards, or IFRS. As always, we will also discuss non-GAAP performance measures, which should be viewed as supplemental. The MDNA contains definitions of each one used in our reporting. All of the dollar figures expressed on this call are Canadian unless otherwise noted. We are also hosting our AGM this morning, so we hope you will join us live via the broadcast at 11 a.m. I'll turn it over now to Francois to review our Q1 financials, and then George will comment on our operational highlights and strategic outlook. Francois? Thank you, Mayor, and good morning, everyone. I'm happy to share with you the results of our first quarter 2021. Our results in the quarter demonstrate the ongoing resilience of CGI's business model and the relevance of the services we provide to our clients despite continued pandemic-related shutdowns. Overall, we are pleased with our first quarter results as we turn the corner on revenue, while at the same time saw strong growth in our bookings, profitability, and cash generation. We delivered revenue of $3 billion, down 1.2% when compared to last year, representing a constant currency decline of 3.6% year-over-year. This is an improvement over last quarter, where we saw a 4.5% decrease year-on-year. As we mentioned last quarter, we continue to expect a gradual improvement in the months and quarters ahead and reiterate our expectation of returning to revenue growth in the second half of fiscal 2021. Total bookings were up 23.5% year-over-year, representing $3.4 billion in new contracts for a book-to-bill of 113% of revenue and lifting our trailing 12 months book-to-bill to 103%. 
new business was 28% of bookings, an increase from the previous quarter's 22%. IP bookings in the quarter were up 58% year-over-year. IP was 21% of revenue in the quarter, the same as last year, despite the continued pressure on lower transaction volumes in both payroll and travel-related services due to the pandemic. Our global backlog remains healthy at $22.8 billion, or 1.9 times revenue, the vast majority of which is comprised of long-term managed services engagements. Adjusted EBIT in Q1 was up 4.6% from the year-ago period at $496 million, while EBIT margins increased to 16.4%, up 90 basis points compared to Q1 last year. The year-over-year increase was mainly the result of savings from our restructuring plan, lower discretionary expenses, and the benefits of synergies achieved through the integration of prior year's acquisition. As highlighted last quarter, our restructuring costs, including actions taken in response to the pandemic, totaled $155 million and were completed during our fiscal year ended September 30, 2020. As such, I'm pleased to, sh to report that we did not incur any additional restructuring costs this quarter and do not foresee additional pandemic-related actions at this time. Our effective tax rate in Q1 was 25.9%. This compares with 25.1% last year when excluding integration and restructuring expenses. This is within our expected range for the year. Net earnings were $343 million for a margin of 11.4%, and diluted earnings per share were $1.32, representing an increase of 24.5% year over year. Including integration and restructuring costs, net earnings were $347 million for a margin of 11.5%, and diluted earnings per share were $1.33 compared to $1.23 in the same quarter last year for an accretion of 8.1%. We continue to generate strong cash flow. In the quarter, cash provided by operating activities was $597 million or 19.8% of revenue, representing an increase of $132 million compared with Q1 last year. This improvement was driven by a DSO of 44 days compared to 47 days last quarter. For the last 12 months, cash provided by operating activities was $2.1 billion or 17% of revenue. In Q1, we continue allocating ca capital with discipline. We invested $56 million back into our business, largely in IP and managed services engagements. After a pause in the last two quarters, we resumed share buybacks in Q1, investing $436 million for the purchase and cancellation of 4.7 million shares of CGI. And in line with our build and buy strategy, we acquired the HMB Professional Services Division enabling us to deepen our presence within the Columbus, Ohio metro market. Net debt to capitalization decreased due to a higher level of cash generation from 24% in Q4 to 23% at the end of December. 
Consistent with previous years, we reviewed our capital return program to formulate the most effective capital deployment strategy to maximize shareholder returns. Buying back CGI stock has been an accretive and flexible way to return capital to shareholders. As such, our board of directors approved yesterday the extension of the program until February 2022, allowing us to purchase up to 19.2 million shares over the next 12 months. Looking ahead, our cash allocation priority remains the same, which is to focus our investments on growing our business. With cash of $1.7 billion on hand and a $1.5 billion revolver that remains fully accessible, we now have $3.2 billion readily available to pursue this profitable growth strategy. Now we'll turn the call over to George to provide more details on the operations and on the outlook for our business and markets. George? Thank you, Francois, and good morning, everyone. We started fiscal year 2021 in a strong position as a result of our team's trusted client partnerships, quality project delivery, and operational excellence. In the quarter, we delivered on our plan to preserve and expand shareholder value with continued margin growth and EPS accretion. Our notable cash generation in the quarter reflects CGI's resilience and increases our capacity to invest in accelerating our build and buy profitable growth strategy. The rising client demand that began to materialize last quarter continued to upward trend during Q1. The overall uptick in demand was evidenced in our Q1 bookings, which were again over $3 billion, up 23.5% year over year. Our diversified mix of services continued to be a key contributor in achieving our strong financial results. Notably, systems integration and consulting services bookings increased in the quarter, indicating an emerging rebound for project-related digitization services and driving increases in hiring, and therefore, the related near-term revenue outlook. These services are largely focused on helping clients quickly reposition to meet evolving customer demand, such as implementing cloud-native IT supply chain components for one of Europe's largest payment providers, modernizing a Canadian retailer's e-commerce platform while reducing related costs by over 60% and leading an ERP system migration to a public cloud model for a large North American telecommunications client. In addition, over half of our revenue in the quarter was for managed services and IP engagements, including SaaS-based solutions. Overall, existing clients continued to turn to CGI as their partner of choice as we achieved a renewal rate of over 95%, driven by managed services bookings to help enable business agility and digital transformations for clients while simultaneously delivering cost savings. Consistent with last quarter, we not only sustained our incumbency with these enterprise clients, we were also awarded new scope, growing our market share. These awards included new digitization initiatives. For example, with CAE, a Canadian client for nearly 30 years, we recently expanded our strategic partnership to include new services such as third-party ERP cloud migration. And with a U.S. financial services company, we renewed a 25-year partnership based on CGI's Collections 360 IP, along with added services to transition into CGI's private cloud and integrate with their hybrid cloud environment. Now, I'll review the Q1 regional performance highlights, 
starting in North America. Across our U.S. segments, demand remains strong in both the commercial and government industries, with a combined U.S. bookings growth in the quarter of 14% compared to last year. We renewed and expanded several IP-related agreements in the government sector, including with a U.S. Midwestern state for modernizing their financial ERP system on CGI's Advantage platform, and in U.S. Federal with the Department of Homeland Security, where we want a position on a new frame agreement to provide our federal financial accounting expertise. Revenue and adjusted EBIT were mostly stable across our U.S. segments, with some impact from moving a higher proportion of projects to our global delivery model, as well as lower volumes in transaction-based IP resulting from pandemic shutdowns. As more citizens receive vaccinations in the months to come, we expect these transaction-based IP volumes to gradually improve, along with the overall demand for our end-to-end services. In Canada, we see signs of demand recovering, with a particularly strong pipeline increase of 36% in the financial sector and a hiring increase of 14% with expertise in digital technologies, both on a year-over-year basis. Bookings were 92% despite some client decisions pushing out of the quarter. EBIT margin percentage increased in the quarter to 23%, while revenue was primarily impacted by expanding client use of global delivery. Moving now to the UK and Australia, bookings were strong at 120% book to bill as the team continued to win new awards, particularly in the government sector. We see demand in government digitization centered around Agile, DevOps, Hybrid Cloud, and CGI Smart Cities IP and the associated managed services. Margin continued to expand, reflecting an improving services mix while revenue was relatively stable. And now moving on to mainland Europe. Across Western and Southern Europe, bookings were strong in the quarter at 129% book to bill and further supported by a strengthening pipeline for the government, manufacturing, and utility sectors, up 45% collectively. In retail and consumer services, one of the most impacted sectors by the pandemic, we are seeing positive signs for demand as clients refocus on rapid digital transformation. CGI is positioned as a market leader in this sector with our end-to-end retail suite of IP solutions, which incorporates Retail 360 and solutions from the recently acquired METI. We saw a positive improvement in revenue and EBIT on a sequential basis, although the pandemic and subsequent economic impacts continue to affect some clients and consequently year-over-year comparables. In Central and Eastern Europe, revenue, margin, and bookings all increased year-over-year due to a rebound in demand for digital initiatives, particularly in cloud, automation, and modernization projects. Going forward, we see growing opportunities for IP in this region, building on recent wins in payments and pension administration. From an industry perspective, demand is also beginning to return in the manufacturing sector and continues to be strong in communications and government. The pipeline in these sectors increased by more than 50% compared to last year. In our Northern Europe segments, bookings for the quarter were strong in both the Scandinavia and Finland, Poland, and Baltic segments at 131% and 126% book-to-bill, respectively. EBIT improved in both segments compared to last year, reflecting operational excellence initiatives 
despite continued revenue impacts due to the pandemic. We see demand gradually increasing in the retail, manufacturing, and government sectors in the areas of cloud, cybersecurity, and managed services. Finally, in Asia-Pacific, both revenue and margin improved year over year. Our balanced onshore, nearshore, and offshore model continues to generate demand globally as clients seek to increase their digitization and scaled agile initiatives through a balanced delivery approach. In fact, hiring on a quarterly sequential basis is up in this region by 40%, now reaching pre-pandemic levels. The strong bookings in the quarter and positive sequential growth trends underscore our confidence in returning to growth in the second half of the fiscal year. Looking ahead, given positive trends for IT services, we expect demand will only intensify across most industries. In fact, in some of the industries most impacted by the pandemic, we see increases in sequential pipeline growth, notably in manufacturing and retail and consumer services. Demand has remained high for the government, financial services, and utility sectors, all of which had year-over-year increases in bookings and strong pipelines. CGI is well-positioned to help our clients modernize and digitize. We will continue to make investments in line with our cash allocation priorities to drive profitable growth through both build and buy. This includes investments in our people, investments in the innovation of our services, and investments in acquisitions. As a leading professional services firm, we believe attracting and retaining talented people is the most important investment we make. Our ownership culture is a key differentiator in retaining the best consultants and experts in the industry. Today, 86% of our employees are owners. Therefore, we continue to prioritize our ownership programs, as well as investments in training, our consulting skills, industry domains, and new technologies. During this challenging time, we are also proud to provide industry-leading health and well-being programs to all employees around the world as we continue to prioritize their health and safety. Innovation in our services spans our end-to-end portfolio where we are prioritizing investments in high-demand areas to help modernize clients' technology supply chains, such as cloud transformation, machine learning, low and no-code platforms, and cybersecurity. Our plans include investing in our existing IP business solutions to maintain and advance our leadership position in areas such as trade, payments, wealth, collections, and government ERP, as well as new solutions, for example, in telehealth and energy transition. We are also reinvigorating our third-party partnerships with the ecosystem of technology providers and platform companies. Importantly, we continue to invest in longer-term, larger managed services opportunities and the business engineering and consulting experts needed to secure these engagements. We are also pursuing the buy side of our profitable growth strategy with a growing number of active discussions in the pipeline. As Francois mentioned, in the quarter we acquired the professional services division of HMB, which deepens our work with commercial utilities and state government clients in the U.S. Midwest. I would like to warmly welcome the 165 new members from HMB. We continue to see industry consolidation providing additional opportunities for metro market and transformational acquisitions. We have the operational strength and financial capacity to move quickly with discipline 
on the right opportunity. As always, our investments are designed to return value to all three of our stakeholders, our clients, employees, and to you, our shareholders. In line with our core values, we also consider how our investments benefit the communities where we live and work. For example, as a signatory to the UN Global Compact and to formalize our long-standing environmental stewardship efforts around the world, we recently announced our global target to be net zero carbon emissions by 2030. We are proud to be one of the few firms with the scale, reach, capabilities, and commitment to be our client's global partner of choice, delivering with insights our clients can act on. Our strategic aspiration remains to double the size of the company over the next five to seven years. Thank you for your interest and support. Let's go to the questions now, Mayor. Thank you, George. Thank you, George. Uh, just a reminder that our replay of the call will be available either via, via our website or by dialing 1-855-859-2056 and using the passcode 718-9191. As well, a podcast of this call will be available for download within a few hours. Follow-up questions can be directed to me at 514-415-3651. Sharon, we are ready to take some questions. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question at this time, please press the star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. First question comes from Thanos Mosopoulos with BMO Capital. Hi, good morning. Uh, George, uh, it sounds like customer spending priorities were initially focused on, on cost-cutting in the initial months of the pandemic. And from your commentary, it seems like there's more of a focus now on, on digital. Um, would you agree with that? And if that's the case, what does that mean for uh, the revenue mix? Does that mean that we might see um, SINC kind of rebound more strongly um, relative to outsourcing in the coming months? Yeah, I think that's a, a yes to, to your first question. Uh, we are seeing a, a bit of a shift to digitization as, uh, as most of our clients kind of adapted to the, uh, to the pandemic and, of course, as uh, their customers more quickly adapted and got used to digital. I think that only accelerated this need for uh, for digital. And so uh, that is something we're seeing right now. We've seen our, our mix stabilize right at that uh, that 55 uh, percent in managed services, 45 percent in SINC. Because again, as I, as I mentioned in the in my opening remarks, some of our managed services are mixing in some of the digital. So I don't think it'll completely reverse. Uh, like it did last time. I think uh, cost savings will continue to be important, but, uh, but digitization is certainly accelerating, I think, faster than, uh, than most uh, expected, and you see that in our, in our bookings this, uh, this quarter. And maybe as a function of that, as you look at your M&A pipeline, is that causing a bit of a shift in terms of the types of targets you're prioritizing or, or not especially? Uh, not especially. As you know, we're, uh, we're pretty disciplined on, uh, on the M&A side. It, it really is focused on uh, increasing our breadth and depth. And uh, as I mentioned, we, we continue to have an expanding list that, uh, of, of potential opportunities that we're looking at. So, uh, no, it doesn't really change our, our, uh, our mix there. We're end-to-end. -end. There may be a question for Francois. Um, the DSOs uh, came down, obviously. Um, I think that's due to uh, a higher outsourcing mix. First of all, is that correct? And then secondly, how would you see that evolving over the coming months um, if we see SINC coming back a little bit? 
Yeah, it's correct that uh, you know uh, the, the fact that we have more managed services did help to 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 reduce the DSO, but also collection was was a part of of why also uh, some of the DSO went down. As as you know, uh, it can be lumpy from quarter to quarter, and sometimes large milestones can be uh, built and collected in, in a quarter. Uh, so so that's that's why also we had a good uh, drop in the DSO this quarter. For sure, with uh, with George indicating that uh, you know SINC can pick up, uh, that will put some pressure to to uh, to the uh, to the DSO. But I still think we're capable to to man manage it uh, well. Great, thanks for that slide. Next question comes from Richard C with National Bank. Yes, uh, thank you, uh, George. I think you made some comments about this uh, on, on the call, and I looked at the the MDNA, and it seems like the, you've had a bit of a pickup in terms of shift to you know, Asia Pac. And uh, I'm kind of curious, as your customers move towards digital transformation, do you expect that segment to sort of increasingly trend higher here going forward? Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's uh, it is. Uh, you are correct. I mentioned it, and you, you definitely see it in the MDNA that uh, Asia Pac continues to be strong. I think there's a there's more of a comfort level by certain of our clients that maybe were under leveraged in uh, in offshore. There's more of a comfort level because now everybody's remote, so that certainly drives some increased demand. Uh, likewise, on the other side, though, we we actually see given the importance of proximity to digitization. Everybody moving, every industry and every company within industry maybe moving at different paces. It's still important to be in sync with uh, with the, the the individual clients. And so, some that were maybe over leveraged in uh, offshore are rebalancing that. We always uh, we believe in the in the global delivery model and the balanced model that we have. I think it'll drive growth both in our offshore and in our nearshore and in our proximity. So. Uh, we, we kind of like where that where that's going, but definitely there's a, a higher comfort level right now with uh, with remote work that that certainly plays into the Asia Pack, and you see that in our hiring as well, which are now back to uh, pre-pandemic levels. Okay, and and as sort of the portfolio does move towards digital transformation, is uh, or should we have an expectation that you know you have potential operating leverage uh, as you move more towards those services? Yeah, is there is there more opportunities for us? Absolutely, because again, digital transformation requires two things, right? There's the new uh, leveraging the new technologies, uh, and as I mentioned, we're we're rushing towards that, but also modernizing some of the legacy and integrating in, and so we play on both sides of that. And so as we move more to uh, what we've been predicting, but now is accelerated on digital transformation. Yes, that's a big opportunity for CGI and our end-to-end -end services. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Richard. Next question comes from Jason Kustenberg with Bank of America. Hey, guys. This is Kat Sion for Jason. Um, I first just wanted to ask, I mean, you guys obviously had very strong bookings this quarter, you know, and you guys kind of saw the bookings from new clients tick up quite nicely. You know, can you share a little bit about what's making you win in the market? You know, are there um, differences in your go-to-market strategy now, and can we kind of expect to continue to see book-to-bill greater than 1.0 times in the in the coming quarter as well. Thanks. Yeah, no, thanks for the uh, thanks for the question. Uh, really, on on differentiating uh, CGI from uh, from some of our competitors, it really is about client intimacy. 
Uh, we've been talking about this for some time. Uh, some of the, the uptick in our systems integration and consulting work has established uh, closer relationships with our clients, uh, and that's allowing us to move quickly and move quickly in relevant ways for our clients. And that's really a big differentiator when you're going to partner with somebody for a larger digital transformation project. You've got to be comfortable with them. You've got to be comfortable not only they can, they can execute it, which we have to be able to do, but also that they understand how to execute within their environment. That's where they're looking for a partner, and, and CGI has that um, in, in spades. And, and really part of that also is uh, our, our ownership model and the way our people show up in partnership with our clients. That really differentiates itself in a, a market like we're in right now in a, in a period that we're going through still during the pandemic. So really that's, uh, that's some of the, the benefits of the CGI model. And yes, I believe our, our bookings will continue to be strong as we move through this period. Okay, perfect. And um, my follow-up question is just, you know, by geography, it kind of looks like the U.S. federal piece of the booking, you know, saw, saw a downtick there from last quarter. Is that is that just some softness or some mix relative just due to timing in terms of, like, election-related pauses? And are we kind of expecting to see that, you know, trend or that demand come back in the coming quarters? Yeah, we, we talked about this in the, in the quarters coming up to this. Uh, in general, a change in administration is good because, uh, from from a demand perspective, because any type of change in uh, in administration brings new priorities. New priorities bring new opportunities for uh, for IT. But in the lead up to the election and the immediate aftermath, where new people are getting in position, there's always a softer booking. As you know, our bookings were were strong. Our, our trailing 12-month bookings in federal continue to be well over 100%. So we, uh, we certainly can, uh, can weather this transition period. But, yes, the, the bookings, uh, that, that's really the, the reason for the bookings. Uh, it's not uh, where we see demand going. In fact, there's a good alignment in, um, in demand right now of where we offer services and the priorities of the new administration, particularly from an IT perspective. Okay, perfect. And if I could just put one last quick question. Um, I know you guys were able to improve your margins as well, and I know you guys have talked about cutting back some, you know, discretionary spend costs. You know, are you kind of expecting that to come back um, as travel and such related costs kind of continue to, to come back, like, throughout F21? Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we, you are correct. We did uh, prioritize uh, margins and make sure that we were uh, very careful as we uh, as we entered and and uh, weathered this uh, pandemic period. We do expect there will be return of some, but not all of those expenses. And we're uh, we're actively working to make sure that doesn't occur as we exit the pandemic. But uh, certain things you want to return, like some of the hiring expenses, some of the training expenses, um, and even some of the. The, the working from the office in proximity to our clients, those, some of those uh, expenses will return, but there's plenty of margin expansion opportunities uh, to counter that from the mix of managed services and IP specifically, opportunities in, uh, in certain geographies to bring them back to the, uh, to the CGI uh, uh, historical models, and, um, and then integration of some of these new, uh, new mergers. And you heard that some of that, our uptick this, uh, this quarter was through some of those successful. And as we continue to, to merge operations in, we get the benefit of scale and, uh, and the benefits of the CGI model. So there's plenty of margin expansion opportunities. But, uh, yes, there will be a return of some 
uh, of those expenses as we continue to uh, grow and, and hopefully soon exit the, uh, the pandemic period we're in. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much for taking my question. Sure. Next question comes from Paul Triver with RBC Capital Markets. Well, thanks very much and good morning. I just want to follow up on the margin question. Uh, you know, margin did hit a record high this quarter. And I think even when you look back, that includes when you look back to the pre-Logica days. So putting some numbers around, I mean, is it is there a, a structural permanent increase in, in margin here? Like, should we expect 16% EBIT margins going forward? Or do you think that, you know, it probably dips a little bit below that, you know, when some of those costs come back in? Yeah, well, thanks for noticing that it was a, a very strong margin uh, quarter, and uh, again, that was uh, that was purposeful as we uh, as we prioritized uh, this uh, the margin side uh, to make sure we uh, preserve and expand uh, uh, shareholder value. But uh, yeah, I, I think we we would expect uh, in certain geographies, uh, uh, very, you know, when the, as the expenses return uh, and growth returns. Uh, we will expect to, to see a little bit of a dip on the margin. However, your other comment about is some of this structural, yes, that is what we're working on. Uh, we learned uh, something about uh, going through this period that uh, I think will allow us to continue, uh, given the, the use of collaboration software and other uh, activities, that uh, we'll be able to preserve some of those uh, savings and, uh, and, and, and make those permanent in the, uh, in the model. So, uh, and like I said uh, on the earlier question, there's plenty of margin expansion opportunities. You can see some of the geographies that now have stabilized their margin, but uh, but they're not they're not near where uh, where we believe they uh, can and should be uh, returning to. And I just want to ask a big question, a big picture question on acquisition strategy here. You know, over the last couple of years, has been you know several large deals in the IT services space, obviously. Uh, you, you know, you, you passed on them. Um, you know, it looks like there's a, another large deal, a potential large deal of Agile's looking at DXC. You know, generally speaking, you know, how do you look at the priority uh, or prioritize between large transformative acquisitions versus tuck-ins? And then you mentioned in a discipline, you know, how do you look at the risk profile for large acquisitions? Because I imagine you know, the potential war to be high, but then also the risks are higher as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's mainly, uh, you know, as far as prioritizing, we, we want to and believe we can do both. So there's uh, the, the, the strategy of the metro market tuck-ins has been uh, highly successful uh, in, in each of the regions we've done them in. And so uh, that continues to be part of our, uh, a prong of our strategy. But the transformational, absolutely, you know, if we're going to, uh, to meet our aspiration of doubling the company, that's, that continues to be on, the, uh, on the, uh, the path and in the priority list. And as we look at those, uh, those transactions, though, we're mainly looking for that cultural fit. And cultural fit for us, remember, is the type of work they're doing, the type of clients that they have, and uh, will that mesh with the overall CGI model? What we don't want to do is, uh, is merge with, uh, with a company that changes that culture and that path that we're on. So that's the main reason that we pass on some of these, and it's also the main reason we have an expanding list uh, that we will be going after. This consolidation is still at the beginning stages. And, on, and my last question, just on culture, like when you look at the IT services market in, in general, um, do you see a lot of the competitors out there with, with a similar culture to you, or is it the minority of competitors of a similar culture? 
It's a mix. It's a mix. You see, uh, and actually, I think the the mix is uh, is broadening as different uh, different uh, providers uh, decide where they want to play as the uh, as the industry accelerates towards digital transformation and uh, where each player wants to wants to continue. And what I can say is, we want to be that end to end provider for our enterprise clients. That's the piece of the market that we're playing in. Thanks for taking my questions. Yep. Next question comes from Matt O'Neill with Goldman Sachs. Uh, yes, hi. Uh, good morning, and thanks, Shaman, for taking my question. Uh, it seems like a lot of consistent themes around uh, both the, you know, the the, the sort of best uh, ever margins, uh, and you know, the the potential for those to to come back down a little bit, uh, as well as the kind of five to seven year doubling, uh, the M and A uh, horizon, as well as of course the uh, the, the material share purchase announced. Um, so with, with with many of those uh, out of the way, I was hoping maybe we could dig in a little bit more. Um, you, you mentioned a little bit of an air pocket around bookings when a new administration comes in, and then ultimately that that new administration generally represents a positive, as there's probably a lot of change uh, required on the on the federal side. Is there any historical precedent that you could point us to as far as you know the sort of duration of that air pocket uh, and, and magnitude? Is it you know a quarter or two? You, you expect a little bit of softness on the federal side before then things ramp back uh, up to and above maybe where they were before, um, or, or anything to, to point to there. Yeah, it's typically, uh, thanks for the question, it's typically uh, no more than a quarter or so uh, just to get the new, uh, the new uh, politicals in their, in their positions. Uh, but then, you know, that's coupled with usually a 100-day plan where, uh, where those same politicals are trying to, to get, some, uh, get some things done quickly. So, um, so, so usually it's, it's no more than a, than a quarter. And as I mentioned, it, 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 there is a nice uh, alignment with our focus, uh, we do believe that the new administration's IT priorities will be in the areas of health, environment, veterans affairs, national security, and we're well positioned with both vehicles and uh, opportunities in those areas. And of course, technology, it's going to be cloud data and uh, artificial intelligence with some 5G. So, uh, you know, just as an example, they've, they've come in and, and initially said they're going to pledge $10 billion increase in uh, in cyber in exactly some of the areas we already are so um, you know there'll be a little bit of that transition but uh, but the historical is that uh, it, it, we do very well in that that environment that, that's really helpful and would it be safe to say that the, the new administration um, you know I think the word digital has come up on this call fairly frequently already um, th- does there seem to be more um, inclination that you know it's going to push uh, you know all things on the federal side incrementally more digital it seems a bit of an inevitability but is that is that a safe assumption I think that's a safe assumption yes all right thank you I'll hop back in the queue thanks Matt Next question comes from Paul Deep with Scotia Capital. Hey, good morning. George, can you just, on digital transformation, maybe remind us on the size of, you know, the opportunity either within the business, however you might want to categorize it, and then maybe any gating factors that you're looking at to allow CGI to go even faster against that opportunity? And then I've got one quick clarification. Thanks. Yep, sure. Well, you know, to take your, uh, your, your last question uh, first, the gating factor really is just uh, making sure that we get uh, the offers in front of the customers and engage with them. And in some ways, that's more challenging in, uh, in a COVID remote environment. In other ways, what we've learned is uh, uh, we've, we've learned ways to do that collaboration in, in a very elegant way, and given our prior 
uh, relationships, and I mentioned some of that. And so uh, it really is a matter of, uh, of getting the, the right people in, uh, in front, and, uh, and that's why I mentioned some of the investments in our people, uh, in the training, in the hiring, uh, particularly around business engineering, business development, and uh, investments in our intellectual property because that's another, uh, that's another one that, uh, that can help accelerate uh, some of that digital transformation and get us with those uh, with those clients faster. So that's really the the answer on the gating. I think it answers probably the first part of your uh, question as well. Um, these uh, these engagements, you know, uh, from a from a size perspective, what we're seeing right now, point in time. Now maybe that will change, but right now we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Every company is doing this a little bit differently. Some of them are doing it uh, in in uh, phases or ways. Some are going uh, all in, and some somewhere in between. So uh, it really, and, and, and we predicted this, we talked about this, as we move closer to exiting the pandemic, what we said is the rebounds will happen differently by industry, and the rebounds will happen differently by company within those industry, which again is why proximity is so important, because you've got to know and meet them where they are. So, uh, so that's... Uh, Maybe that gives you the more color or less color than you were looking for, but uh, but that's really what we're seeing right now, Paul. That's helpful. Uh, the, the clarification is just with regards to large transfer transformational acquisitions. Can you maybe characterize how you're thinking about those versus the past? Is there a desire to, for example, avoid vendors um, that might maybe categorized as having a larger book of legacy infrastructure that would just be off the table and thus, you know, shouldn't be an area investors should think that CGI has any great interest in. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for the, for the question. No, I, I don't think we would, uh, we would limit ourselves in any way, and we're, we're not. Um, what, what's important for us on a digital transformation is to, uh, to be part of all elements of it. What we don't want to do is uh, only do the uh, the legacy, or quite frankly, only do some of the smaller new and miss out on the on the modernization required. So we really want to play on both sides, and that's certainly what we uh, what we consult uh, to our clients and uh, and where possible urge them to think about this in the biggest way. That's what will help them be successful fastest and certainly um, is where we're the best partner to them. So I would, never, uh, I would never say we wouldn't play on one side or the other, but not exclusively, because that's where you, uh, where you get pigeonholed within a client. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Next question comes from Daniel Chan with TD Securities. Oh, hi, thanks for taking my questions. Um, just to expand on um, some of these questions on the infrastructure and transformational acquisitions, um, this DXC and Atos um, potential combination, would that have any impact on the competitive environment for you? No, thanks for the, thanks for the question. And I, it, it does play to that, uh, to that uh, infrastructure side of the, of the house. That's where they, uh, that's where they play. Um, again, if, if they want to do that from an exclusive basis, you know, that's not where we're playing. We're playing on the end-to-end. So I think it, it does uh, – something like that always changes the dynamic somewhat, but uh, we're sticking to our end-to-end, and, uh, and, and it's having uh, good, uh, good results with our clients. Okay. And then um, now that uh, Brexit is largely over, 
does that open the floodgates on some of the deals that maybe have been uh, pent up or been held back or delayed uh, over the last few years? And should we expect some uh, increasing opportunities, not just in the UK, but also across the EU? Yeah, I see. I think we'll see that on a, on a gradual basis. Uh, I'd like to say the COVID is uh, is past us, but uh, in many of the uh, uh, countries that we're working in, um, that's still uh, that's still uh, something that is uh, is uh, shutdowns, et cetera, are still occurring. But uh, we do think that uh, reacting differently. Oh, I, I thought you said COVID. I, I apologize. Uh, that's good. I'm glad you didn't think COVID was over. Yes, Brexit uh, being passed us uh, is uh, is certainly helpful. Um, most of the, of the clients we work with had that better prepared in their plans. I think the reason I, I just immediately thought of uh, of COVID is that in the UK, of course, we're still in a shutdown period, and so um, that's probably more of a uh, of a damper on things point in time uh, than uh, than Brexit. But as they as COVID abates and then uh, and then Brexit uh, is, is past us, yes, I think there will be some uh, some pent up demand that uh, that comes through in the UK and other places. So I apologize. Great, thank you. Yep. Next question comes from Ramsey Elasal with Barclays. Uh, hey guys, uh, this is Ben Budishan for Ramsey. Um, I- I'd like to apologize in advance for asking maybe the hundredth question on margins and M&A, but uh, perhaps I could ask it in a bit of a different way. Um, I think in your prepared remarks, you talked about with the metro market strategy, in some cases you see this be- as being margin additive. And I think for a lot of us looking at like some of your large IT services peers, we tend to see them do more, uh, you know, smaller acquisitions that tend to be growth accretive and margin dilutive. Um, and so I'm not sure if I perhaps misunderstood what you were mentioning earlier, but could you maybe discuss, you know, at least in the context of the, the metro market strategy, how you kind of balance, you know, looking for targets that either add growth or depth in that market um, and kind of how that all plays out? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. When we buy uh, and merge something into the CGI portfolio, in almost all cases, the, the margin is, uh, is lower than the CGI margins. So um, day one, it's dilutive, but then we, we bring that up to the CGI margins, not necessarily above the CGI margins, because you're right, it really is a catalyst for growth, but we bring them back up to the, uh, to the margins of CGI. And so over time, that's why you see some of that. So as we buy some of the larger uh, metro market uh, uh, mergers, uh, there's a little bit of a dilution, then it comes back. And that's why I highlighted that, and that's why Francois did as well in the prepared remarks. Okay, I see that, that makes sense. Thank you. Um, okay. And if I, if I could ask one more, um, you know, we've seen a lot of activity lately with, uh, again, with kind of your peers talking about their their cloud businesses and kind of making more investments and that just being a really attractive growth avenue. And I just wonder if you could kind of, you know, for, for CGI, kind of help us size up um, or, or yeah. get a sense of how big that is for you guys and kind of what, what you're doing there. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, I highlighted, uh, yeah, thanks for the question. I highlighted some of the examples and just, uh, uh, you know, just a handful of the examples of what we're seeing in the, in the systems integrations, uh, space. And yes, a lot of it is, uh, is assisting in helping our clients in, in their application migration to the cloud. Um, we're running towards that. We actually have, uh, some methodologies and tools that we built to assist our clients in that. We start with a, with actually in cult, consulting with our clients on, uh, on how and where and when to use the cloud and, and how to make that happen. We'll manage that for them uh, soup to, to, to nuts. And, um, and, and then the partnerships with the various cloud providers is extremely important. 
And I mentioned we're reinvigorating that. So, uh, and this is really all the cloud providers. So it's, it's Microsoft, it's Google, it's Amazon, it's Oracle. And we have examples and, and projects with uh, each of them ongoing as we speak. And really it's getting closer to them is, uh, is important. It's a big uh, opportunity for our clients and therefore for CGI. Right. Thanks so much for taking my questions. Next question comes from Stephanie Price with CIBC. Hi, good morning. Hi, Stephanie. Just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you are seeing in terms of project delivery, just given the new phase of lockdown uh, that are in certain regions. I think you mentioned the UK a minute ago. Yeah, so the, the, the type of project engagements, I, I, what, I, what I would say is that, um, that this wave of, uh, of pandemic uh, shutdowns, really our clients are, are looking at them a bit, uh, a bit differently. Um, they've kind of already uh, have a better way of, uh, of working. They're more uh, prepared for this. And uh, we're actually seeing uh, uh, more strategic uh, project uh, starts and engagements. Uh, it's just kind of the, the new way of doing uh, business. They're prepared into their plan. They're, they're built into their plans. And, uh, and, you know, even though we still have uh, only about 11% of our people working from an office or a client site with, uh, with the proper precautions, uh, we're seeing much more of these uh, new starts, and uh, and I think some of that is based on the experience they've had and uh, and the experience the the positive experience they had in delivering some of the ongoing projects that they didn't uh, stop or delay, and uh, it's giving them more confidence to start things back up. Okay, and maybe just to follow up, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the closure rates you're seeing for the large deals versus the small deals, and what sort of trends you're seeing around those larger deals. Yeah, we're uh, we're actually uh, seeing uh, more uh, more activity on the larger deals and willingness to close those larger deals. Um, I think the surprising part, and that's why I I, I mention it in the uh, in the uh, prepared remarks, that we're also seeing this on the smaller side. So we're seeing both now. Uh, we thought it was going to move more to just those larger deals driven by cost savings. We're actually seeing a little bit of both. But I wouldn't say that the larger deals are stopping in any way even with this next wave of shutdowns. Great. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Next question comes from Robert Young with Canaccord Genuity. Hi. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to uh, clarify something uh, said earlier around uh, – you said you'd seen strong renewals, uh, sometimes seen scope increases uh, driven by digital. I think it was Thanos' question uh, was asking um, about shift more towards um, digital, and you'd said that Managed services was mixing in digital, and so I guess yeah. uh, you said that you'd commented on that earlier. I, I, and so I'd taken your comments earlier to reference renewals. But are you seeing managed service scope increase, like in during the project, or are, is this something that's happening at the renewal point? Um, a little of both. It's a little of both. It's more. Uh, it's more uh, pronounced if you will, at uh, renewal time. But I'll, I'll remind you, renewal time can happen anytime. So, um, so we, can, uh, we can do an early renewal to put that, uh, put that in. And, and the reason I say it that way is uh, you want to make sure you get the, uh, the, the contract and uh, the mechanisms uh, correct on service level agreements, et cetera. But we're, uh, we're looking at that as we speak some of the uh, some of the renewals that we're doing, where uh, it's actually driven by a need to digitize. But having said that, uh, we wrap in the managed services in some ways to to help fund it, 
but uh, and, and right now it's very interesting in a couple of these deals getting in-year savings in year being 2021, 20, uh, getting some savings uh, up front, but then also being able to fund and accelerate a digital transformation. That's a, that's a nice value proposition for our clients. Uh, we have the balance sheet and the, uh, the wherewithal to do just that. So that's what I mean by that, and that's, that's pretty exciting. Is that, are some of the normally, uh, would you normally see shorter terms consulting projects like front end professional services turning into managed services? Is, is some of that sort of front end work being pulled into these larger deals? And like, is that better for margins or is it something? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that is better for margins and, and we have talked about that. Some of those uh, systems integration and consulting projects can lead to bigger opportunities and and the big reason for that is not necessarily the the contract just turns into that the relationship turns into that that client intimacy uh backed up by the other experts and expertise that we have allows for that and yes that's definitely uh a margin driver because uh you, you have a different uh a better utilization rate and it's a longer period of time and therefore a lower cost of sales over time okay okay thanks yep once again, to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Next question comes from Howard Lem with Veritas. Um, good morning. Um, uh-huh. I just wanted to, to, uh, to talk about, uh, to touch on kind of the G&A, SG&A savings that uh, the others have asked about and focus on the, um, the, the lease side. You know, I, I think, you know, you've made some comments about the importance of the, of the proximity model to CGI. Um, and um, I guess at the same time, you've probably thought about, you know, what, um, what it's going to look like, I guess, for the offices after uh, after the vaccinations uh, are over, and what's what's kind of your thoughts on that? Like, I, I also noticed last year you guys um, took some uh, write downs on the leases. Um, there were some lease modifications, I think, uh, made to last year's statements. So, what it, just kind of give us the thinking of um, you know how many days people are going to come back to the office and and uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that's a it's a it's a great question. As you might expect, this is exactly what we're uh, what we're thinking about and talking about. Uh, we're not going to abandon our proximity model, and we do believe there's uh, there's benefits to being in the office for purposes of of training, and bringing others along, the uh, the creativity that comes out of that, and the interaction with our clients, having space to do that. Uh, having said that. I think the office of the uh, of the past is not necessarily going to be the office of the future. Uh, we're looking at uh, uh, smaller spaces, uh, more spaces in different parts of cities. Uh, all of that is on the table as we uh, as we go through that. That will take some time to uh, to convert, um, and uh, and uh, so you, you'll, you'll see some of the costs returning. But over time, we'll we'll certainly be optimizing that uh, for our clients and for our business. Right, right. So, so it's more like as the lease rolls off, you might look at other options at that point. Correct. Right. Um, and then just to, another question I wanted to turn to is the renewal rates. Um, you disclosed they're 95%, uh, which is yep. pretty strong. Uh, is that um, by revenue or by customer count? And uh, what was it like, I guess, pre-COVID? It's by, uh, it's by revenue, and we've been, uh, we've been pretty consistent uh, in, the, uh, in the 90s. Uh, you know, was it always over 95%? No, 
but, uh, but it's always been uh, in the 90s. We, we tend to have a very good, strong relationship. I've mentioned to, uh, to customer, to clients where uh, we have over 20-year uh, relationships. Uh, that's pretty uh, common with, uh, with CGI. And, so, um, and that's, that's part of the, uh, the ownership model and uh, the value system and, and uh, how we approach our, our relationships. But I highlighted it because it's giving us that opportunity to do the add-on services. That's really why I highlighted it in the remarks today. Right, right. And, and I guess it might correlate with, you know, if IP becomes a bigger part of your, your revenue, you might expect that renewal rate to increase. Yeah, well, you know, IP is uh, is uh, something we haven't uh, talked as much about, but uh, we're making some some pretty uh, nice investments in our intellectual property right now, um, uh, essentially becoming more, uh, repurposing them to be more business platforms as a service, uh, componentization of all of our flagship IP, specifically in government and financial services, uh, which are giving us co-creation opportunities for that IP. And so IP then becomes an accelerator both for our clients' business but also for our business. We're also packaging our IP uh, from, across, uh, from across CGI in certain industries, adding data intelligence into these application suites um, in, in, and also intelligent automation in areas like health, utilities, and again, financial services. So uh, we're doing some exciting work with the IP to, to make them uh, a driver of, of acceleration for our business, but of course, first for, the, uh, for our clients' business. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Yep. I'll uh, pass the line. Sure. Thank you, everyone, for uh, being with us today on the call, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you at the end of next quarter. Thank you. Thank you. And this concludes the conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.